0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube, like and subscribe on there as well. So we continue our OG Ananobi trade conversations. We've done two already. Um, and now this is the third and final one, maybe. I mean, we'll see what happens next week or what rumors come. But Alex Wolf of Locked On Knicks, co-host and also the Strickland Knicks blog. Sir, how are you? How are things?
1: I'm good. You know, probably in about the same boat as you. I think uh I guess weirdly we're on different sides of the trade deadline aisle this year. Like the Knicks seem like maybe they're going to be buyers sort of and the Raptors seem like they're going to be sellers. A little bizarre world action, but I think I've got <laughs> yeah. a busy week ahead of me too, don't worry.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be it's a busy time for everyone and um exciting time depending on who you are. Maybe on the Knicks side like maybe you're a little bit concerned about Seeing some players go bye bye, but at the same time, like you might get some upgrades and you might become really, really good. And you guys got a nice core over there. Jalen Brunson has worked out really well um, from what I'm seeing. And Julius Randle, I mean, I, I know he hates facing the Raptors, but uh, he actually kills us every time too. Like it's like 30 and 15 is crazy. Um, but, anyways, okay. So the conversation OG and Anobi. Let's start here. How, what is your appetite for OG to join the Knicks and how do you think he would help their roster?
1: I mean, in a vacuum, I I love his fit. You know, I think that he's one of those dudes that seems like he could fit on any team. Yeah. Um, I feel like any team in the NBA, like if you were like, hey, you can have OG Ananobi like for free, they'd be like, Hell yeah, why would I not? You know, he's he's yeah. really good. He's long, he defends, he can shoot the three. Um, you know, he can defend multiple positions. Like I actually covered this on my podcast the other day, but I looked on um b-ball indexes, uh, defensive versatility, and he has like for the last like four or five years, he's had one of the highest defensive versatility scores of any player in yes, the NBA. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, he like, scores like a 91 or 92 out of mm-hmm. 100 most years, which is right. basically implying like he can guard any position on the floor and not have any issue, like one to five, which is super rare in the I'd NBA. I've seen it. It's a yeah. fact. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously he's super appealing in that regard. Um, you know, it, it all just is going to, I think, come down to price. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess – the, the main thing for me is it seems like he's motivated to get out of Toronto, perhaps in pursuit of a bigger role or something. Uh, yeah. Cause otherwise, you know, I look at it and I'm like, well, why would they be looking to move him otherwise? You know, it's like, yeah. I can understand they're having a slightly down year this year, but like you have a good course. So like, why would you not just add to that rather than mm-hmm. being like, Let's subtract this super versatile, awesome player. Uh, so I do worry a little bit like from a fit perspective yeah. of, you know if he comes to the knicks and he's playing then you know presumably like i don't think that rj barrett would be in a trade if they do it at this deadline because he can't Aww. really be traded this year because of yep. just signing his extension yeah um, or it would be extremely difficult to do it because of like the poison pill provision or whatever um right. so presumably he's coming to a roster that would already have bronson rj and uh randall mm-hmm. and and. Randall and Brunson are still going to be the one and two options, I think on offense. And then RJ yeah. pokes up a good deal of usage. So like with that jive with him, mm. basically coming to the same sort of sit, like you can almost like one-to-one replace. It's like, okay, he's coming from, you know, uh, being
0: fourth F- in the pecking order to be yeah like F V, or- you know, and Gary
1: Trent, and then comes yeah. to a team that has, Brunson Randall and RJ it's like what's really the difference at that point yeah. so I do you know personnel wise and personality wise maybe I worry a little bit mm-hmm. if he's really looking to like move up in the world and sort of have his own like Brunson breakout somewhere else sure um but just like purely in a vacuum like of course I would want him on the team like he's he's just such a an yeah. interesting and versatile player that I feel like any team mm-hmm. would be lining up to have him
0: this is now the third podcast that I've done about this subject. And so and over time I've realized that yes, he is extremely in demand, but the lack of clarity on the raptor's approach to the deadline is making it hard to really like really assess what they could be doing. And also what OG and Inobie is thinking. Like we've seen two sides to it. Well, we have heard two different sides, right? One, he's unhappy, he's looking for a change of scenery, but then also he's told reporters like recently that no, I'm good in Toronto. Um, and we know his contract uh, status. He's under contract next season. Um, but then after that, he has a player option. He's going to opt out. He's going to look for more money, yada, yada, yada. And on uh, the Raptor side, again, um, we're not really sure what they're looking for. Are they trying to rebuild around Scotty Barnes? Are they trying to make a little tinker here and there, some tweaks? Because they feel like, you know, between Pascal and Scotty Barnes and I don't know. I guess OG, um, they're both, they're all on a contract uh, next season. Um, Gary Trent and Fred are not. So they're going to opt out. They got to make some decisions there. But in the end, like, I still think that what we saw last season, like, wasn't fake. I think there is a good team here. There's just something, something going on in the water in that locker room. I don't know what. I think we're going to find out eventually, but there's just something that's a bit off. Um, But, anyways, maybe you can get right back at it next season. Or, I mean, like I said, you could just say, here you go, Scotty Barnes. You want to be a leader? You want to be a point guard? Here's two of those and I want to see you go and thrive and you just start building from the ground up. And in that case, you know, the Knicks have a lot of draft picks, a lot of first rounders this year for sure. It's like, so that would probably be the starting ground of any trade that does happen. But I did listen to um, that pod that you did about OG and do you know um, where he scored his career high?
1: Was Was it against New York? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he score points. like 30 something? Yeah. He
0: scored 36 yeah. points. Yes. Yes.
1: I, yes so yes. I wasn't wrong when I said, I don't think he's ever scored 40 points. <laughs> true,
0: true, true. And he actually missed a few very makeable shots. So it could have been 40, Um, but I just wanted to, I thought that was funny that you said that I'm like, what, what, what even was like, how high is he? I totally like,
1: forgot oh. to be honest. I mix up him and Siakam, you know, it's like, and like FEV has had a ton of huge games. It's like every Raptors torched the Knicks at least once. I don't know. It's, it's like a whole thing.
0: It's a, it's a joy of ours, watching Damar <laughs> and Kyle and everyone have success there. Um, <laughs> low key, it's it's fun for us. I mean, it's fun for players, too. Like, you guys know, players come into MSG, and then it's like, oh, the garden.
1: Mm-hmm. Up. So Everybody does love to soon. play under those bright lights. Yeah. I mean, it is a fantastic arena. Objectively, as a Knicks fan, I feel very lucky that yeah. that's where I get to go watch home games. I've never season. been. Very I've great. never been. You should check it out sometime. Make a pilgrimage sometime. Like, I promise yeah. you it's worth it. It's It's a fantastic mm-hmm. arena.
0: I went to New York this was like many moons ago but um they weren't I don't think they were at home during that time so we went to Brooklyn and that was a cool arena but it, it just didn't have like it didn't it was, it's a cool arena but it doesn't it doesn't have like the mastery and the majestic yeah. like just the symbols of MSG and you keep on hearing it from anyone that I talk to they're just like there's just something about MSG something about
1: Barclays. Him. Barclays is a cookie cutter corporate wasteland compared to oh MSG. Good. Like, MSG looks fantastic <laughs> by comparison. So definitely, definitely go to MSG sometime. <laughs> what's going on with RJ
0: right now? Mm. He's not playing a lot. And uh it seems like him and Tom Thibodeau, I mean, they're just not really in sync the way they maybe should be. And obviously you mentioned that he got that contract extension. Like they want him around, it seems, but the uh, what's mm. the deal there?
1: Yeah, it's been a little weird the last, like, two weeks or so. Um, yeah. RJ's been, you know, the, the most pronounced example was the other day against the Lakers. He sat, like, the final, like, 11 minutes and mm-hmm. change, which included overtime, which I sort of took a little bit of exception to. Like, I was like, I don't understand why you don't bring him into at least, like, like, everybody was clearly exhausted at the end of that game for the Knicks. And yet, Tibbs yeah. still just like, out of his, like stubborn like i'm gonna bench you and that's what's gonna happen like sort of you know mentality was like uh no no you can't play still you know we're not gonna like give julius like two seconds to catch his breath like so that right he's not like totally winded and mm. it was it was starting to feel a little uncomfortable like rj like didn't talk to press after that game was clearly frustrated and normally mm. he's like such a good soldier like always talks to press um but then just yesterday he faced the heat and had 30 points and looked very reinvigorated. So maybe the, uh, maybe the tactic worked from Tibbs. I don't know, yeah. but I would say in general, like his defense has been, he's been falling into some bad habits on defense, which is what oh,
0: you can't do that with Tommy. Yeah, uh-uh. exactly.
1: I mean, Tibbs, Tibbs does surprisingly have a high tolerance for certain guys, but not others though. Like Randall all last year was just awful defensively. And yet he still trotted him out there for his guaranteed 35 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, rj you know i i guess is held to a different standard probably because he's younger you know he is still it's crazy he's in his fourth year in the league but he's still i think the second youngest player on the knicks mm-hmm. um it, like because he just came in the league so young i mean he was like 18 when he got drafted right um or 19 like a week later so i mean it's 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 a weird situation um I think ultimately things are going to be fine. I think this is just stuff that happens throughout the course of a season. Like, yeah, this is Tibbs' way of saying I'm unhappy with how you've been playing. Like, you know, and, and Quickly's playing better and Grimes is playing better. You know, like they're bringing mm. it more on the defensive end. And that's what I need late in the game. Um, And then RJ kind of took the challenge. And, you know, look, like he didn't even play a perfect game against the Heat. But like he stepped up in a big way. Like they were without Brunson. And go. he scored 30 points and, you know, that yep. was super needed in that game. And he had a couple turnovers, one of which I think was more on Tibbs for bad inbound play design. The other one that was more RJ kind of making a bonehead play. But again, you're not even in the lead with seconds to go in that game. If he doesn't score 30, yeah, I, I sure. think he's fine. I I think there's a decent chance maybe somewhere down the line he is the guy that's part of like the package to get the guy for the Knicks, you know, to like take Mm -hmm. that next step. They trade for some big star. Um, But as of right now, I think things are okay with him. You know, I I think it's just stuff you go through throughout a season and, and things are all right. I will say one thing that is annoying though to me as someone who's in the community, you know, of like Knicks fans or whatever, is that Knicks fans are extremely quick to like have two bad games from a 22 year old turn them on him you know where it's like oh, oh rj isn't it
0: oh like, bro come God, on man. i'm great. in raptor land i know what this is like
1: <laughs> yeah I exactly so i mean it's I you. you know it's it's a little annoying in that regard but i, I think yeah. he's fine and i think he's developing yeah. okay and he's clearly i mean yesterday he had 30 points without making a single three-pointer and he was just mm-hmm. that dominant like driving and yeah. drawing fouls and that sort of thing and that's yeah. that's been his bread and butter and i mean I, I we even did a show recently on locked on knicks where we like examined like the numbers paint him as one of the best drivers, finishers, foul drawers, like in the NBA, mm-hmm. if you take in the context of the difficulty of shot and stuff. So yeah. he's clearly developing it. Things are going to be okay.
0: And the Knicks themselves are going to be probably okay. You're just nearly outside that top six and an upgrade could surely help. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: How would OG help the Knicks? Uh,
1: I think, I think they need more versatile defenders. Um mm-hmm. Like every team does. But you know, right now yeah. I think that they have Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly have been
0: love Grimes, out. by the way. Love Grimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're both fantastic. They're such great defenders. They they're just like all over the place at all times. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's some size uh problems with those two. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't think that they're they're suited to guard like big wings or like especially like fours or occasional switches on the fives. Oh, and then you have Mitchell Robinson too, who it's easy to overlook at this particular moment because he's hurt but like is one of the best defensive centers in the entire NBA yeah and basically is the the fulcrum of the entire Knicks defense mm-hmm. at its best so I mean if you can throw a lineup out there potentially you know if, yeah. if you just need a stop and you can throw a lineup out there of like of like quickly Grimes OG uh, Randall and Mitch like yeah that's That's a hell of a defensive front. So I mean, I I think that that's basically what it is, is they just need a big wing switchy defender Mm. and OG is that. And he's also a guy that has shown the ability to consistently hit spot up threes, which has been an issue for the Knicks at times. Like they just seem to go cold as a team every once in a while, which happens for the best of teams. But, you know, having someone out there who's like a surefire, like spot up shooter that Uh can shoot like 36, 37 percent, like all the time. would be great um yeah again it it like i said when we first started talking like it requires buy-in from og into that role too i think he would still effectively be like a high level role player but if obviously if they make the investment that needs to be made yeah via trade assets to get him he's going to have a big role on the team sure sure Uh, but i don't know like mm-hmm. I don't think that they would bring him in thinking like he's ready for a breakout. We're gonna turn this kid into a star. I yeah. think they would bring him and be like, "This guy will give us one of the most like well-rounded defensive lineups in the NBA if we want it." Yeah, and that's super appealing. I think yeah. for a team that really prides itself on defense.
0: I want to get your thoughts on anything that you wanted to know more about OG? I mean, you asked a few things there, but uh, in the end, I mean, OG he shoots forty-two percent from each corner. Very good, Mm -hmm. right? And he's a big shot maker. The lights don't really phase him. We've seen that time and time again in in Toronto, like, you know, two minutes left. Someone needs to hit a shot, it's usually OG and he'll do it with a calm, cool, collected, no problems. Um, and the idea that you had Mitchell Robinson back there and OG already is like such a plus defender. And on the perimeter, he's so aggressive and he's got such a nose for the ball and just like anticipating drilling patterns and getting those steals and getting those like line drives towards the, the rim. Um, you have Mitchell back there. It allows OG to be even that much more aggressive. And you're tapping into something like really special then uh, we've seen glimpses of it, but again, like the Raptors just don't have the room protection to, you know, to let him be that like, you know, safety in a sense. Right. And just like roaming around and doing his thing and like recovering and just like swallowing up space on the uh, perimeter and around the rim. Like he's very, very good at it. He is like truly a defense player of the year candidate year in year out. Is there anything you want to know about OG? I'm, I'm happy to help if there's something you're curious about in terms of his offensive skills.
1: Yeah, I guess what what do you think did, I, I've said like three times now, and I said this on on my podcast the other day too, when I was doing my own research, like I don't necessarily think that he's primed to become some like untapped gem of a offensive player. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of like I, I use Brunson as an example on my pod, right? Like Brunson right. played off Luca for so long. And yet then you got this glimpse last postseason. Into like what it would yeah. look like if he was the guy running the show. And right. that was enough to be like, oh man, I think I think there's something here. Like he's he might uh-huh. be able to run a team and be the primary, you know, yeah. on a team and be one of the primary scorers. OG, I look at the numbers and I'm just like, I, I feel like he wants to be that guy. Like he wants to be the breakout candidate. But mm. looking at the numbers, his self-creation numbers are not high. The shots yeah. that he does self-create the most are the mid-range, and he's actually quite bad at them. <laughs> like, if you just look <laughs> yeah. at purely the percentages, like yeah. maybe good at creating the looks but not good at making them, uh, mm-hmm. he's like, I think, 30th per pile or something among wings as far as uh, percentages there. So yeah. if you look at that, what do you think? Do you think that he's primed for that sort of breakout, or do you think that he's probably better off just eventually settling into, like, being a yeah. super role player on offense and being, like, the best defender on a team?
0: I think there is upside to him being more than a 3 and D player. Put it that way. Um, he's mm-hmm. shown it a few times when Pascal Siakam was injured. Um, he would come in and he was averaging like you know 20 points. He was getting some assists. He was getting like you know five rebounds. And it was on a decent percentage, like 45, 47, 48%. Um, mm-hmm. The Raptors and just their offense in general has been so clunky for so long. It's been better lately to their credit. They've changed some things up. But in the end, um, I don't think he was in advantageous positions to really like explore his offense in a system that – really promotes like ball movement and just like good offense, offensive process at the same time though, he does, he doesn't have too many counters and that's a problem for him. But when it comes to just like attacking closeouts and um, creating off the dribble, he can do it. Right. And he's shown again, the glimpses that he can do it at a decent clip. It's just like the ball handling isn't there yet. I think like in the end, I think he can get to being like a number three option on a championship team. I think that's possible. Um, but number two, I don't know. Like, I think I saw the example here in in Toronto, like Pascal Siakam was number two to Kawhi Leonard and Pascal is trying to be like the Kawhi Leonard, but I'm not sure if OG necessarily is already there to be like a Pascal Siakam type on a championship team. I just don't know if he has like the tools and he still has, he's a bit awkward offensively. And I think that is a bit of a, a problem for him, but, um, certainly, there's a nose for the ball there's good instincts he's a good playmaker Um, he's willing to make that extra pass and if you just put him in positions to be successful I think he could actually be like there's a lot of upside to him being a really good offensive player like a consistent 20 points per game player but maybe not like a 25 if you get what I'm saying
1: yeah it's it's actually really great like I I love how you just described that because it sounds so similar to how we described Quentin Grimes like Mm. as far as his offensive skill set like we say all we've said consistently on our pod, like he's not a three and D in the traditional sense of a three and D. Like, yes, he can shoot threes and he can play defense, but yeah. he does have a really good ability to attack closeouts and he's a very, very good passer uh and stuff like that. So like if that's the type of player that OG is, again, I would love to have that type of player. I just hope that sure. he sees himself as that type of player mm. and necessarily thinking like, no, I need to go to my next stop and like yeah. become LeBron or whatever or you know, whoever yeah, yeah. like whatever donovan mitchell or something let's say even Mm -hmm. like let's set the bar a little lower you know like i want to be like the guy that's scoring the ball all the time like that would be my main hope would be that he wouldn't and you know you want guys to have self-confidence and whatever but i think there's certain times that's to a fault i just worry with if there is like a trade demand right now that that's sort of his motivation of like well i want to get out of here so i can like blossom Mm. and i'm like I kind of just love the player he is right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be yeah. pretty cool with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, let's get to some of these trades. I don't want to keep you too long here. So, what is your trade proposal for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster to get OG in Toronto? Or I sorry, think, in uh, in New York. My bad. In New York.
1: Yeah, yeah. I get. I get what you're saying. I, I, I'm not sending him back to Toronto anymore. Um, <laughs> I would. Uh, I I want him to
0: stay. By I the go, way, I want to make that clear. But yeah,
1: I go back and forth on this. I mean because of the fact that I don't necessarily see him as like a a franchise altering talent on the level of like, say that the Knicks were going for Mitchell over this past yeah. off season, I struggle with the concept of like giving up like three first round picks or whatever, which apparently the Knicks have offered. Yeah. My guess would be that their offer, whatever it was like two, three months ago, whatever that was reported, mm-hmm. was most likely the three picks that they got from trading out of 11 this year um which would be uh detroit and washington's first round picks which are protected in similar ways like Mm -hmm. roughly lottery protected for like two years then eventually like four or five years down the line they only become like top eight protected um in which case they'll hopefully convey because you would hope that those two teams can get themselves out of the gutter by then but um So those picks are available. Milwaukee's uh, pick top four protected in 2025 was also part of that deal. So my guess is they probably offered those three. I think where I would probably land um, Cam Reddish needs a new home, apparently. Uh, and mm. he's an intriguing player. I mean, you want to talk about guys that are playing like a 3 and D-plus player. He was kind of playing like that for the Knicks earlier this year, and yeah, I don't know why things fell apart the way they did, but they have, and it's been a little frustrating because, like, we were just starting to, like, kind of fall for the kid, uh-huh. and then it's like, oh, oh, he's not in the rotation anymore. Um, so I would probably start with him as, like, as far as a player compensation. If it took, like, Obi Toppin and Cam that would break my heart a little, but that would probably be a pretty seamless fit for, for Toronto to kind of plug him into their lineup yeah. where they love players yeah. with his profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the Knicks, you know, presumably OG is going to be taking a lot of those minutes that, that OB would have been playing anyway, not that Obi plays a lot of minutes to begin with, but he would be taking probably whatever, like if Obi remained on the roster,
0: right. He
1: would probably yeah. be out of the rotation then with OG on the team. So I, I would probably say Cam and OG, or sorry, Cam and, and uh, Obi for OG. Yeah. And then to make salaries work, I would throw Derek Rose in, who I think actually Toronto would probably look at and be like, look, if we're still trying to play for the play in this year, like kind of have our cake and eat it too. Yeah. Rose would probably have some utility I know that uh, Malachi Flynn seems to have kind of fallen out of the rotation there. Uh, there is no backup so, point guard.
0: It's currently Scotty Barnes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, you could yeah, throw Rose yeah. in there, and like he still got some game. He just sure. he got displaced by Emmanuel quickly, who's awesome. Like Emmanuel quickly is right. awesome, and he's like, twenty three years old. So like, of course, they're going to play him. Uh-huh. Um, so I think Rose go there and, and find a role, uh, which is what he wants and what the team wants to find for him anyway. Uh-huh. And then as far as first, I I would want to do those. I mean, look, if it came down to those three picks they got for number eleven. I guess I'd be like fine with it. I I've argued for a while like I don't love how protected those picks are, but I can't see the value in them. Yeah. Um so I would probably offer all three of those if they were hardline like no, we want like uh-huh. like the, the Knicks also Dallas's pick top 10 protected this year, so if they wanted that instead of one of them, fine, go for sure. it. They want Knicks own pick this year instead of that for one of yeah. them. I'd be like pick one or the other. You can have the Dallas pick or the Knicks pick. I don't whichever team you think is gonna end up worse by the end of the year, throw a dart. Mm-hmm. Um, or could even work out some arrangement where they say, you know, hey, you get whichever is the better of the Knicks and Dallas's pick this year. Fine. I'm okay with yeah. that too. Yeah. I just would prefer the Knicks to be able to add some talent this year in the draft. Um mm-hmm. so because it's a good draft. Uh, but so yeah. they could work out something like that. I think that's about where I'd come down on three three picks, at least two of them protected. Um, I think, and I've moved up on that, to be honest, I even recorded a pod like three days ago where I was like, I, think I, I know when
0: you, I was thinking about uh, that. Your tune is. Kate yeah. Kate, so Kate I, I
1: <laughs> yeah, my, my thought process is changing a little bit. You know, I, sure. I, I kind of look at him and more and more, I think like he could potentially elevate them into a surprise, like top five, four seed this year, if things really click uh-huh. so, uh-huh. And, and is locked up through next year and then they get the right, you know, in a pretty nice summer of 2024 they have options to retain him and, mm-hmm. or sign and trade or whatever which would be good so it's uh yeah it's become more appealing to me over the last few days yeah. so I think that's about where I come down so if we total that up uh Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Derek Rose uh, and then three somehow protected first round picks I, I think I would feel comfortable enough doing that because then they're still basically protecting all yeah. their own draft capital going forward they still have a good cable of young players to trade for like another star down the line should yeah. the time come that would make me feel pretty good for the Knicks and if I was the Raptors yeah. I mean if OG wants out anyway I feel like that's probably about as good of a package as you can get from most teams because sure. most of the teams that would be looking to get him aren't exactly mm. flush with picks
0: yeah that's not bad um just real quickly on Isaiah Hardenstein Hardenstein
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd include him to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. not super huge on Hardenstein. Yeah. I mean, okay. but he would probably fit the Raptors' needs quite well. I love Jericho Sims, though, who's backing him up. And so if yeah. it was, if the Knicks, once Mitch gets happy, happy, healthy, had Mitch and Sims as their like center yeah. rotation, and then right. maybe could finally convince Tibbs to run small with like Julius and OG out there as the four or five from time to time. That, that could, would be that, cool. That has
0: something. That could be really cool. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm yeah, intrigued as well. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, I'm intrigued. <laughs> that's like, not I, mean, a deal I would,
0: player. yeah, I would prefer to have a quickly or, uh, Quentin Grimes, but I guess they're not going to be going anywhere. And so would
1: so so a lot of teams, but I don't yeah, think the Knicks are yeah, And good, yeah. I understand that, but the players you <laughs>
0: mentioned, like that's an intriguing trade. I don't think they really want Derek Rose too much because they want to give uh, Scotty Barnes as many point guard reps as possible. And then they still believe in Delano Banton, but the no matter what they would need salary
1: though, no matter what yeah. they would need salary and he's expiring salary. So that even sure, if he just rots on the bench, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it's true.
0: This was fun, man. Thanks so much for your time. Um, Let's see how things break down here.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for this next week. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.